You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water. I am Sharon Kleiner. Excited about our show this week, uh, one full hour. Need to remind you that if you don't, if you're not able to listen to the whole hour, you can uh, come in later. It's archived uh, on the website at Sharon Kleiner Hour at yahoo.com. You can come in and listen anytime you want and invite other listeners to come in because the goal behind the power of water is each week you learning more about how important it is that you understand the definitions of why water is so important in your everyday life and what is happening with the global warming and the dry air indoors and outdoors. And hopefully you and your generations will learn more through you and what we're going to offer you with education and the freedom of using your own mind to understand how you make choices for better health and self-examination. To define dehydration and how important water is to you and your everyday life is internal. You are made up of 50 trillion cells. I don't think I can remind you each week more about that. 50 trillion cells with water. You must learn how important it is with water uh, to drink the water during the day. And we're going to teach you more about hydrotherapy, understanding of water coming as a benefit and an application each week. Um, we want to welcome you here today. Uh, uh, call in if you have any questions to 866-613-1612 if you have any questions. Internationally, this is an international radio show. Dial in 001-858-268-3068. Today we have a very exciting guest, and we will take a moment for our sponsor, and we will come back with our guest, Rob Pell, who is, I believe, an authority in food supplements and vitamins, uh, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. For joining us today, I welcome our listeners, and I have a very exciting guest today that I have been really excited about. Rob, are you with us? I am, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you. I have been so excited about having you on, Rob. Um, as you know, this is an international radio show, and we're here to educate people about learning more with the freedom of their choices as they're educated on how to learn more about their health. And today, uh, you being here with your background on understanding vitamin supplements 
And could you first, before we um, begin to discuss that, and I need you to understand sometimes, Rob, I might interrupt you along the way, and if I do, it's because it's something I think the listeners will really want to understand. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm 51 years old, and um, luckily, uh, through, through actually I shouldn't say luck, it's, it's obviously the luck of genetics and the luck of some, some work and effort on my part, I'm basically pretty healthy. Uh, I haven't missed a day of work due to illness in about 15 years, and I haven't been to a doctor in over 30 years. And, um, and again, that's some, you know, that has to do with genetics. It also has to do with effort and, and education. Um, I first got into uh, natural products, natural healing, and natural foods uh, just about 30 years ago, almost exactly 30 years ago. And 30 years ago when you got into, uh, I might mention to our listeners that, Rob, you have had a health food uh, store uh, for how many years? Uh, Currently, uh, the the store I have now, um, I've owned for 12 years. And before that, actually, I owned a natural food restaurant for about 15 years. Uh, That was in Boston. And actually, I was featured on CNN a number of times and TV Food Network. Mm-hmm. Um, also did a feature on our restaurant and uh, been on CBS TV. And with so you were probably one of the pioneers uh, way possibly. back in time. We were considered to have, uh, it, was, it was considered to be one of the two best natural food restaurants in the country. It was probably the first natural food restaurant that got a favorable Zagat rating. And uh, we had a lot of fun there. We made a lot of good food and we turned a lot of people on to natural foods. And one of the things we did there is we tried to make sure that we had things, even though they were all clean and healthy selections, we had things that the diehard natural foodist would really enjoy and appreciate as well as uh, the person off the street. So if a party of four came in to eat, uh, we really felt that all four would really be satisfied and happy when they left. Wonderful. Now, well, let's educate uh, our uh, listeners today. The segment will be, what have you learned uh, because you've been at this a long time, and our our listeners are individuals who are laymen, and they're not they're not in the professional um, field that you're in. Give us an education, and if a, if an individual comes into a health food store and they're asking for uh, a particular supplement, normally they're not coming in because a doctor or a naturopath or somebody said go in and buy that particular supplement. Here's the piece of paper. People are coming in and, Rob, they're buying what they believe is all natural, all safe, and uh, they've learned something through some advertising or word of mouth. How would you ask them to, when they've come into a store, how do they ask questions and do they interview the person who's working in the store so they understand the person who's there really does understand what they should be looking for, the manograms, the amount of milligrams, and the balances? Could you help educate us on that today? Well, um, I think when they come in, at least they, much of the time when they come into my store, um, I think it's due to you know, kind of word-of-mouth uh, referrals in our area. And um, so they... I, I guess trust that they're going to be getting some pretty well thought out advice, and they would also trust that the people that I have working for me are going to be able to help them. But uh, just to backtrack, uh, to clarify something you said, is more and more often actually we are getting referrals from MDs and from naturopaths, um, especially in our area because of the reputation that we have. Um, there are some supplements, I'd have to say, that 
uh, MDs were laughing at five or six years ago, and I'd probably say 30% of my referrals on some of those supplements now come from MDs, and they specifically send people into our store. Okay, I'm going to back you up for a second on that. You just said something that is really exciting to myself, and I'm sure to a lot of the listeners. So you, we are having, uh, I, in fact, we had a, a nature path. Uh, a, a naturopathic doctor on last week, and he said too that a lot of referrals are coming now from uh, physicians, MDs, and other um, medical practices. So you're getting a lot at the health food store. Um, we're getting more all the time, not yeah. nearly as many as we should have, uh, because I mean there are some some really basic uh, problems that people have or conditions, and sometimes the success rate. Uh, of some of the natural supplements is so, so high that it's, it's heartbreaking to think that an MD wouldn't recommend those first all the time, uh-huh. especially since not only is the success rate high with some of the supplements. I Do you think it's fraud because they're so, they have so many patients today waiting and that they're getting into, they're working with each individual patient that they're, that do you think that the patient ought to start asking when they go to their doctor at, with an appointment to take a list of things that they should ask, that they should take some responsibility to? To ask the doctor uh, absolutely. if they should I couldn't agree more. The, it comes Pardon? down to personal responsibility. I mean, yes, it is. It's, it's, yeah. uh, each one of us, um, you know, we came in by ourselves and we're going out by ourselves, and the decisions we make along the way are ultimately fall on us. So, you know, it's personally, I couldn't agree more. It's personal responsibility, and people need to uh, sometimes do a little work uh, outside of their area of expertise to at least get a sense of what questions to ask, which brings me back to what you were saying, is when someone comes in asking for a given supplement, uh, you know, I actually will interview them. In other That's words, I, I will ask them, how did you hear about it? Exactly. What did, what did you hear about it? Uh-huh. From, from whom did you hear it? And more importantly, what's your main concern? What are you trying to achieve? Because we have people that would come in, they'll ask for a given supplement, and as far as I can tell, it's got absolutely nothing to do with what they're actually hoping to achieve or what their problem is. Mm-hmm. So I actually want to put it in a context. Where is this question coming from? Who are they? What, what help do they need? Uh, sometimes I'll tell people, you know, drink more water. Literally, literally. people will come in, you know, if people come in, they'll have in-depth questions about leg cramps. I'm like, well, let's see. Okay. You know, How much water are you drinking a day? Are you drinking enough water? I'm, oh, great. You're not? Okay. Go home and drink, you know, eight glasses of water a day and come back in a week if that hasn't worked. And great. You know, this solution is basically free. So, you know, we'll, sometimes we'll just turn people around and, and, and tell them, okay, go home and drink some more water and, and you don't have to pay me anything. Rob, have you ever, uh, on that subject, have you ever had anyone, I know I have, uh, call you up or send you an uh, email or a note letting you, thanking you for reminding them about the basic of water? People forget. Have you ever had a lot of remind people thank you? Well, absolutely. I mean, there's a couple basic conditions where that would be the first thing that you would, the absolute first thing you'd look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, you won't know that unless, no, you, unless you ask the person questions. You know, exactly. how much water do you drink? Or, mm-hmm. gee, I used to drink a lot of water, and then I stopped three months ago, and now I've got this problem, this problem, or this problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got leg cramps, or I've got constipation, or I've got headaches. And, mm-hmm. oh, gee, you didn't have those problems when you were drinking more water. And uh, okay. Rob, stress. What do you think causes stress? Yeah. Lack of oxygen, lack, lack of circulation, and right. something's 
bothering you uh, or making you uncomfortable, uh, whether it's the, the weather is too nice, I, mean, I don't know if it's going to last, all of a sudden you don't realize when you have a stress, it could be the lack of enough water for you personally. Exactly. I want to ask you um, also, uh, when an individual comes in and asks for a particular supplement, um, let's say, what are the most common supplements that people are asking for today, today and would you educate our listeners about some of that? Well, you know, uh, I mean, there are kind of nationwide statistics, but my store, what I see is basically people over 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see a lot of, uh, let's say, bodybuilders. I don't see a lot of people that work out heavily. Mm-hmm. I see people that are kind of trying to maintain an active lifestyle as they get older. So you're uh, getting people. Now, when people are coming in and they're asking for, let's say, a particular calcium, and uh, or a particular vitamin E or a certain certain different supplements. Let's say a person came in and said, "I would like. I've been told that I probably should take some more vitamin E. What would you remind them if they take a vitamin E? What type of milligram, and how would they s- shop for that uh, to understand which particular one they should be taking? The type of uh, of milligram gram, uh, and do they take another supplement with the vitamin E to make the vitamin E more effective? Well, on that, you know, on that one subject, it's kind of interesting because vitamin E has gotten a little bit of a black eye in the press lately. Um, and my understanding is actually that some of the, the, the tests that were recently done that had some questionable results with E, not a single one of those studies was done with natural vitamin E, number one. Um, but with vitamin E, you know, if you want to talk specifically, I'll ask them, gee, why? You know, what, what makes you think that? Who told you? That's and what, good, what, good. what are you trying to, to achieve? If someone is already taking some vitamin E and they want more antioxidant protection, I'll remind them mm-hmm. that you get the most protection really from a blend of antioxidants. In the same way that flowers are all different colors, all the produce on my produce case is all different colors. They're all different. All the antioxidants are different vibratory rates, and they just like colors are different vibratory rates. Now let's educate our end, uh, listeners about. Uh, a term there. They, 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 a lot of people have a tendency to read a lot or, uh, and hear a lot, but they don't ask the question, what is the definition of an antioxidant? Um, well, in the same way that over time, let's say a car body can rust due to oxidation over time, okay. it ages, over time it breaks down. Oxygen is really important, but it also can um, speed up um, we'll say an aging process, okay. or it's important in that. So anyway, antioxidants kind of keep the uh, they kind of keep that the negative aspect of oxidation in check. Okay. They kind of keep it in check, and they can neutralize it. And at different, they all do something slightly different. Some might prevent, um, we'll say, uh, uh, free radical damage. Some might. Heal it. Some might yeah, you just did work it again. in one organ. Free Some might work radical in other damage. Let's let's educate them as we move. So what? It, so we're teaching them about a free radical damage. What is free radical definition for them? Um, as a, I, I guess, uh, we'll say uh, you know, in, in the I guess the the um, the simplest way that uh, that's what I we need is simple. It, the simplest way that I can describe it, I guess, would be um, when you're. Um, there, there are certain there are certain aspects uh, where certain aspects in your body that are that are um, looking to uh, complete themselves. We'll say every time you inhale, you need to exhale and so forth. Okay. There's other okay. processes okay. that happen at a cellular level where there there's a there's a 
there's a, a negative and a positive aspect to every every reaction. Good. Anyway, the the um, the free radicals are are if not quenched with our antioxidants, tend to uh, attack parts of our body and they complete themselves by creating damage as opposed to completing themselves by linking with um, antioxidants. And antioxidants That's are found in vegetables. Okay. They're found in primarily plant plant foods primarily. So eating enough, you know, we've all been told to eat our vegetables, they actually will help uh, neutralize uh, these, these free radicals, we'll say these agents in our body that are one way or another going to complete themselves. The best way we can do it is to have enough antioxidants for them to, we'll say, dance with rather than they go in and, and complete themselves by causing damage. Right. That's what they need to learn, all of us, is the completion of this cycle. Uh, what I was mentioning, uh, you may not have heard, but the body being made up of 50 trillion cells. How do you keep those cells healthy from the moment you were born and you left your mother's water bag, entered into the air we breathe, we begin to dehydrate? How do we keep those cells healthy? And you just explained a very simple description there. But what do we do to keep the habits? Um, now, when a lot of times we'll hear from many physicians and people, like yourself even, that are uh, I call the experts of what they're doing in their specialties, that sometimes food will give you so much of that nutrition uh, that you only use your supplements if you think you're not able to eat enough of those uh, different uh, supplements that are important in your in your food. Uh, if you got up in the morning and you were going to recommend a daily, very healthy day for an, a person who's going to work under a lot of pressure, what would you start the day with, with uh, food and supplement, Rob? Let's um, say we've gotten out of bed. Right. We've had our glass of water, hopefully. That's the first thing. But what, what would you recommend to start the day with food? And if you're not eating that particular food, what would be your supplement for the day? Well, you know, every, everybody is, is very different, and that's one right. thing that I've seen over the years. Um, I'm, I am quite convinced that there are many different diets that work for different people. Of course I'm that's I'm quite true. convinced. But brings us back to another point, though. When you say start the day with a glass of water, which I feel is great advice, I would have my water separate from my food, or at least I'd have the majority or most of my water. So I would have the water when I first get up, and I would really try not to eat for 15 minutes or so afterwards. Okay. Because I don't want to dilute my stomach acid to a great degree. I think part of the problem with uh, uh, quote-unquote acid reflux disease, okay. which is a complete misnomer, every part of that is not, not correct, but uh, part of that can be caused, and I, and I know uh, doctors of Chinese medicine will tell you this, can be caused by drinking too much water with your food because it dilutes uh-huh. stomach acid too much. Oh, let's back up on that one. That's a new one. Not new to me, but new maybe to the audience since we've had our shows. Right. Uh, we found uh, that we've been talking about drinking water. We've been talking about their daily activity from the moment they got up and get going. But you're saying have your glass of water, but don't have, have plan, knowing that you're not going to have breakfast for your nutrition for about 15 minutes to longer. Right. Then you're saying at, at the meal, don't drink the water. At the meal, drink the water separately from the meal. Not, not a lot of water with your meal. And what, what's kind of funny is even, uh, you know, I, I used to, uh, uh, among other things, be a dog breeder. And even some of the older books, the things that go back to the 20s, 30s, and 40s, would recommend that you kept your dog's water away from the food and feed them separately. So, I mean, you know, 
They, they knew that for animals, but uh, I don't know if humans ever got that advice very often. Well, I have heard of it, and I think a lot of our listeners may have heard, don't drink water with your meals. And I not haven't a, heard about it for a long a time either and haven't shared that with our listeners, and this is a, an exciting new thought for them to think about. Now, what do you believe about ice water? I'm really glad you brought that up because that, uh, as sad as it is, it also makes me laugh that uh, I just can't believe that that has become the norm, especially in the winter months. And what I tell people when they come in the store, you know, and they've got any kind of uh, digestive upset or um, insufficiency, I'll ask them, do they drink ice water? And it, they, they look at me like that's the strangest question. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I ask them, what does 35-degree water do to the outside of your body exactly. if you go into a cold lake? I mean, yeah. everything shrivels up, it tightens up, it it yeah. turns white, you, you know, circulation We're going to talk about stops. that again when we come back. We're going to take a moment for our sponsor, Rob, and uh, we, we will be right back with you. And we do have a caller that would like to ask you a question when we get back. Uh, we'll take a moment for our sponsor, and we will be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Thank you for joining us today. This is with World Talk Radio, the Sharon Klein Hour, Power of Water. We're here today with a very special guest that I've been really excited about having on, Rob Pell, who has the Sunshine Foods in Grants Pass, Oregon, on the west coast of the United States. Rob, uh, you're there with us? Yes. We have a caller, and we'll see if we can get uh, if our studios will uh, have the caller on the line right now. Are you there, Cheryl? Yes, I am. Thank you for calling. Hi. I have Rob Pell on, and do you have a question? Yes, ma'am. Hi, Rob. Hi. Hi. Um, I was wondering to know how do you know if you if you're taking the you know choosing the correct supplement? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, I, I usually tell people that my experience has been that thirty percent of the time people feel supplements when they go on them when they start taking them and they get uh-huh. a positive response. Uh-huh. I'd say about thirty percent of people feel supplements when they go off them, uh-huh. meaning that. Gee, they ran out of whatever it is, their multivitamin, and two weeks later they're sick or they don't feel good or they're tired. Oh. And they kind of know, hey, gee, maybe I needed that supplement. And probably 30% of the time or so people don't, don't really feel it at all, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're not working. Mm-hmm. So, again, it, that, that's a, it's, a difficult, uh, it, it's a difficult question, but I would um, 
sometimes you'll feel it and you, you know intuitively that it's the right, right yeah. thing to do. And Rob, uh, when an individual does start that supplement, how long does it take them to feel it? Good, good. Well, it would really depend on the supplement. The, uh, as a general rule, not uh, general guidelines, some of the water-soluble supplements you're going to feel much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a fat-soluble supplement like vitamin E, if you can even feel vitamin E, uh, you're not going to feel it for longer. But I had a woman who told me that she literally prayed for a year for an answer to her pain. She had excruciating pain. It was a young woman. And literally within minutes of taking a, a specific supplement, uh, her pain started to reduce. Oh, so wow. sometimes it can literally be minutes. In the same way that if someone was completely parched and dehydrated and crawling in from the desert, if you get them a glass of water, they're going to feel it right away. Okay, so you've just mentioned to help Cheryl there that um, that you might not notice it right away, don't mm-hmm. give up right away, although if you've noticed something that's a negative, uh, I'm sure she, uh, that she would have to react to that. But would you also, Rob, to help her, if you're taking a supplement, would it help the supplement if you drink adequate amount of water, or would it not help it if you're not drinking enough water? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, literally, you can put the supplement in your mouth, and that doesn't usually do very much, but where you want the supplement is in your cells. Mm-hmm. And how would this supplement get into the cells? Well, you know, you and I both know it would be water would carry it. So, yeah, sufficient water is absolutely necessary to uh, give anything the best chance of working. Okay. Um, okay. I, I don't think that I really answered uh, Cheryl's question. Oh, no, that was to, great. To the degree that it would, it would really satisfy her. But I think that people need to really think about what it is they're trying to achieve. Uh, hopefully they'll get a little bit of advice or they'll do a little research on their own, <laughs> and then they can ask a, a physician, a naturopath, or a, a health food store owner, um, what success rate have you had? What do you think? Um, have you heard anybody else that wants to achieve the same thing I've achieved? And um, what kind of what kind of track record and what kind of success rate? Of do you course, have? that would depend upon why you're even having this thinking about wanting to take a supplement. Are you stressed? Are you getting more allergies? Are you finding you're not agile enough? You're not. Uh, you're getting aches and pains, you're getting more viruses, maybe there's a something, I call it maybe a symptom or a sign that she would go in and ask, what kind of supplements would I take? And, and this is what we're here today, Cheryl, too, is to learn from Rob, how do we go into a health food store and know what to ask? Uh, and let's say, wh- where do we go from there? And, of course, we need to walk in and take a self-responsibility on taking our own list. Um, uh, so, Cheryl, do you have any other questions? I guess she is gone. Well, Rob, that uh, well, that was a good question because I think that, don't you think that's the common? Oh, it's, it's extremely common. I think that people um, intuitively know that they want to feel better, they could feel better, that there's mm-hmm. probably an answer out there for them, that how they feel is not how you're supposed to feel, mm-hmm. and... They know there's got to be a fairly simple answer. So they, Rob, they, you've been they want teaching it. before we go because we have some time, a little bit of time left. Um, I am. Uh, this is something that the listeners have learned today: is go into your health food stores with a list, and go in with some of the way, uh, some of the uh, we call them signs or symptoms of how you're feeling and what you want to achieve to feel better. And uh, health food stores are very common today. Well, you probably started way back as a pioneer, Rob. Um, with health foods uh, restaurants, tell us a little bit about a health food restaurant. Well, actually, just to, just to um, backtrack just a little bit, 
when you say go into a health food store, um, I think that's the first decision somebody has to make once they've decided uh, that they want to feel better. They have to decide which store and how to choose. Thank again, you. Right. In the same way that, you know, 50% of all doctors, you know, graduate in the bottom half of their class, you know, so you would ask for a referral for a doctor or an auto mechanic or anything else. Okay. You would ask for a referral. Thank you. You want, you want to get a referral from somebody, and, okay. and hopefully you're going into the right store. Okay. That was important. Now, if they would go out looking, because you said something today about a health food store, uh, I mean, health food restaurants, and those are not common yet. Uh, what did you serve at your health food restaurant? Well, we had a wide variety of creative vegetarian entrees uh, as well as uh, seafoods and uh, uh, organic chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, the, main, you know, the main difference to me, or one of the main differences, uh, many, many standard uh, uh, restaurants, the quality of the oils they use is just abominable, both in, both in their sautéing and their deep-frying, and they just become, they're almost indigestible. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you can get away with, for short periods of time, non-organic produce, or you could get away with, for one meal, you know, uh, uh, a standard con- conventionally raised uh, uh, chicken so or meat or whatever. Does the individual ask oils. what kind of oils they're using, Rob? Pardon me? Should the person ask what kind of oils they're using um, to prepare? If I was going to eat at a restaurant regularly, I would. Okay. I mean, if I was going to eat there once a year, I wouldn't worry about That's it. I because would... our listeners are wanting to learn what kind of oils do you think is a, you would rec- that are the healthiest. Well, um, obviously, the healthier oils are going to be olive oil and, okay. and sometimes canola oil or grapeseed oil. But the main thing is you don't want things that are processed with high heat, that are bleached and deodorized, and you certainly don't want trans fats, and you certainly don't want uh, uh, hydrogenated oils that, that uh, in other words, they're really bad quality stuff, but I've found that if I'm going to eat uh, questionable food, and that's what I would call it at a regular restaurant, digestive enzymes, in other words, supplemental digestive enzymes can really, really help get you through a situation okay. like that okay. without getting sick. Now, before we say goodbye to you today, too, I wanted to, you to educate our uh, listeners about another thing you teach. Is, tai chi, is it Tai Chi? Right, I teach both Tai Chi and Qigong, which are very, very similar. Qigong, what's the difference? Um, actually, they're very similar. Uh, tai Chi is a form of Qigong. It's just a specific form of Qigong. But basically, uh, both of them are about using the energy that we were born with. Qi is the inherent life force that we were born with. And using that for a specific purpose, usually in the context of healing. Um, basically, uh, in the same way that you can't eat too many vegetables, uh, you can't really have too much healthy energy. Uh, as long as it's balanced, um, uh, more energy is generally what separates the, the old and the tired from the young and the vital. And is this for us to understand, to kind of release the stress and the tension? Often there are, there are specific qigongs that are designed to relieve stress and tension. There are others that are designed to energize, and there are some that are designed to balance the two. Where would a person go to learn more about uh, tai chi or qigong? Um, let's say in their area where they're listening from, uh, where do they go to find, uh, how do you spell that uh, so they can understand uh, when they go to look up what you've just explained because it might be something new to our listeners. Well, actually, there are, there's actually three different accepted ways of translating Chinese into English, so there's three different spellings, but one way to spell Qigong is C-H-I, C-H-I. and a new word, G-U-N-G. Okay. And that would be the, the way Qigong. I used to spell Qigong. And Tai Chi? Uh, tai Chi, uh, T-A-I, new word, 
S-C-H-I. Okay. And those would be okay. And, again, some word of mouth on that would be uh, there are some nationally recognized teachers. Um, my teachers uh, recognized internationally. And if you can get somebody that's really, really qualified like that, it's a wonderful thing. Unfortunately, there's also people who are trying to do their best, but they may be the local, you know, health club or, or mm-hmm. you know, YMCA or wherever, and, and they may not really have the background to really help you much, but yeah. they're trying, you know. Something, Rob, uh, I, you may not know, but our company, we just launched an international symposium to study for one year occupational health and wellness and responsibility to learn more about that, not expecting the corporations to be teaching us everything, although one of our guests, Maya Delina, has been teaching occupational health and concerns for corporations for a long time. And something we're finding is they're going into the, the corporations where they have a lot of employees and they're starting to teach a lot of these things. And uh, so an individual during the day can take a break. Uh, rather than going to a fast food, maybe go have some healthy food real quick and go into these kind of, of uh, what should we call it, a therapy uh, to learn more about Tai Chi, um, yoga, breathing. Uh, before we go, what do you think about breathing, pro, uh, uh, correct breathing? That's a great question. My, my, my teacher said, actually, and he's a world-renowned grandmaster in Tai Chi, but he said, if there was only one thing he could teach Americans, it would be how to breathe properly. And I know one of the local churches actually invited me in one Sunday to show them exercise for older people. And I realized when I looked at the group that the one thing I could teach them that day in the few minutes I had was basically to take bigger, deeper breaths and relax their belly while they were breathing. And that alone is going to uh, probably reap the biggest benefit of any single thing that anybody could do for themselves. Beyond, beyond getting good sleep and drinking enough water, the breathing is probably up. Now, how would you teach them to breathe? How would we breathe in and then how would we breathe out and how often should we do that exercise a day? Basically, if you put your hands on your belly, just below your belly button, the reason I say use your hands because people can feel their hands. They have a lot of nerve endings there. They don't always feel their belly. And every time they inhale through their nose quietly, their belly should, make, should be giving their hands a ride. Their belly should move their hands away from their spine. Mm-hmm. And every time they exhale, their hands should mm-hmm. gently fall towards their spine. So their belly is where we want the breathing. We don't want our, our chest heaving up and down. We want our belly slowly moving out and gently coming back in as we exhale. And Excellent. Thank you. Rob, uh, are you having a beautiful day in Oregon? Uh, we are, and it looks to be getting even better as we, as I sit and look out the window. I think it's even clearing some more. And good, good, good fresh air. Well, thank you so much for being our special guest today. I know our listeners learned a lot, and if anyone has any questions we'd like to ask of Rob after the show, um, you can email SharonKleinaHour at yahoo.com. Rob, thank you for being our special guest today. I, we learned a lot. Thank you very much. You have a nice day. We'll take a moment for our sponsor, and we will be introducing you to our guest, Dr. Nick Human, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to the Sharon Klein Hour, The Power of Water. And we have a very special guest. I was very excited about this. Uh, Dr. Nick Amen. Uh, are you there, Doctor? I am. Thank you for joining us today. We're, I'm over here in Oregon, and you're where? Uh, I'm located at the Loxahatchee National Wildlife Refuge, uh, which is near West Palm Beach, Florida, on the southeast, near the southeast coast of Florida. Okay, and you're an aquatic scientist. I am. I'm an aquatic scientist with Everglades National Park. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, uh, Doctor, the title of our show is The Power of Water, and we sure could not have a better guest today. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you became an aquatic scientist. Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think <laughs> uh, like a lot of people who get involved in the biological sciences or things established with the environment, it had a lot to do with uh, mentors and people I was associated with early, you know, in my student days, and especially some good, really good high school teachers that got my interest uh, really going high. That's a fascination. You, you, way back in high school, you were fascinated. Yeah, the, I think it has a lot to do. One, my upbringing was involved a lot with being in the outdoors, and then uh, when I got into the educational system, having, you know, passionate teachers that care about what they're talking about, you know, does a lot to get students inspired. So you chose to be an aquatic scientist. Uh, today we're learning more about what's happening with global warming and how important the water is for Earth for a long term for eternity. Would you explain to us a little bit more about what an aquatic scientist learns uh, to get where you're at today, and then we'll teach our listeners where you're at today. What, did, what were you learning about to become an aquatic scientist? Well, I think we had to learn a lot about the relationship between water and the world in general and the biology of, of the world around us. And I started my interest were in streams and rivers and lakes and uh, the importance of water to all the plants and animals in those habitats. And, and now I'm more directly involved in the water that's in wetland ecosystems, especially here in the southern part of Florida where most of the peninsula down here is a, or at least used to be a big wetland ecosystem where water is very important. Now, what has happened uh, in your area when you said it used to have more wetlands? What do you believe, what is happening? Well, we've lost over the last, oh, 100 years or more, uh, about 50% of the Everglades wetlands that were once present. And most of that's due to our human development uh, for agriculture and uh, urban development here in South Florida. Uh, really since about the turn, uh, right about 1900. From then on, uh, the population of the state down, especially in this end, has increased dramatically. Uh, and right now, just in again, just in this very southern area, we're up to about 6 or 7 million people now. Okay, now when we have wetlands on Earth in, in these areas, what is the ecosystem valuability to uh, life on in, in, uh, throughout the Earth? In other words, right there, what's the first... 
valuability. And then we'll go from there to teach our listeners what it does to affect the rest of the earth. Right. I think wetlands have a number of values. First of all, they're just beautiful places, and I think there's an intrinsic value right in that and being able to watch and and listen and enjoy that. But more importantly, perhaps, is wetlands are cleansing uh, areas, or we call them filters, for water, for clean water. When water filters... Uh, can I going to interrupt you real quick say there? That's a very good uh, description. What did you just say so our listeners will follow you? It wetlands, clean, it, wetlands, it's, uh, re- explain that again. Right. Wetlands are filters uh, filters. for water. And when uh, the rainfall falls on the earth and, and flows across the land, uh, wetlands function to cleanse or cleanse the water of any impurities that might have been picked up along that flow over land. So they're, they're really a cleansing filter for uh, providing drinking water and clean water for other plants and animals. That's a very good educational description for our listeners to understand where you're, you're coming from. Um, so in, in Florida and other parts of, of Earth, are, some of these wetlands are depleting. They're, they're, we're losing them. That's correct, and uh, we've, like I said, just here in the Everglades, just from our development, we've lost over half of what once was a very vast area, and we're working hard to try to restore a little bit of, back of that wetland value back into place. Okay. Now, that would affect other parts of the world, too, wouldn't it, if uh, we're depleting in one spot on Earth? Am I wrong? Oh, no, it's for, you're correct. Uh, wetland loss is a big problem everywhere in the United States and in the planet in general as, as our population uh, increases greatly, uh, you know, as we need more space and people are moving into areas that, you know, they first uh, tend to build in dry areas, but as that land runs out, uh, they move into wetter areas and fill in or, or just, you know, essentially by filling in the wetlands to make the land more inhabitable, we're in effect destroying those wetlands. We have a caller at this moment, uh, Doctor. Um, let's uh, bring the caller in. Uh, uh, Charlotte? Yes, good morning, Sharon. Oh, thank you for calling. Yes, well, uh, you have a I'm question. excited. This year, you're, I just listen to your radio program all the time on my computer. But I have a question for the doctor. Um, he was talking about, I mean, the last time I was in the Everglades, it was many, many years ago. I was a little girl, and I'm very concerned about uh, how, like the doctor just said, 50% of the Everglades are almost all gone. Isn't there any way uh, that the government or some sort of litigation can go in and, and, and save that or restrict development into a wetland area? Um, that's a very good question. There are a lot of governmental programs right now, uh, in it that are attempting to restore some of the wetlands that have been lost and also trying to prevent more wetland destruction from happening. But the problem here, especially in South Florida, is that every day, uh, just today, for example, there will be over 1,000 new residents in the state of Florida, and most of them down here in the southern part. So we have a, a conflict between trying to save what's left and providing room and resources for all the people that are moving here. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Charlotte Dewar, did you hear his description about how wetlands have a filtering? I understand. Yeah, that. Um, and he, this is a serious, very serious uh, situation. Yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, other questions, Charlotte? No, not at this moment. I'm just going to sit and listen. I well, really appreciate it. Well, thank you for calling. It. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, doctor, uh, with water on Earth, what is your concerns about all the water and what's happening for our educational les- lessons today? I guess my greatest concern globally is that we keep our water clean uh, with the greatly increasing population on this planet. Uh, one of the problems that we're facing is that water, even in the remotest places, are starting to show pollution from our human activities, and water is a finite resource, especially fresh water. Now, let's explain that, what you just said, because you're the doctor on that, aquatic doctor, uh, a scientist. What do you mean by finite? Uh, See, sometimes our listeners will follow by listening, but they won't understand. How would you describe that word? Well, let me back up just for a second and say that the planet's surface is covered, 75% of it is covered by water. Okay. But... Most of that is salt water. Okay. And what humans and other plants and animals need for drinking is fresh water mm-hmm. and without salt dissolved in it. And the total amount of water on the planet that is fresh is only about 3%. So okay. 3% of all the water on the planet is fresh water. And my concern is that of that small percentage, a lot of it now is becoming polluted. Mm-hmm. And, and when I said finite resource, I, I, what I mean, mean to say is it's not an infinite source of fresh water for us on the planet. We have okay. to be very, very careful stewards of our fresh water. Okay. Um, this is something uh, that we probably should bring up, you and I, now and think about, if you could help us. When they describe global warming, I've been trying to uh, help our edu- listeners learn what that means and you are the perfect person to have a definition. What is global warming definition for our listeners? Well, global warming refers to the concern that the average temperature of the planet, and that's probably temperature of both air and the water and the land, is increasing over time at a rate greater than we might naturally expect. Mm -hmm. And that increase is, the concern is that that, unnatural increase or warming of the temperature could be due to pollutants that are being released into the atmosphere from human activity. Okay. Uh, what about uh, the Ice Age? Did that begin uh, at the end of the Ice Age slowly uh, and get to where we're at today? And uh, you might explain for their education what, when, the ice, when the Ice Age completion and coming to where we're at today. Well, the planet has undergone a series of warming and cooling events that are a natural part of its geology and uh, history. But uh, so since the last ice age, the planet's temperatures have warmed uh, considerably. But from the data that scientists can look at, the warming in the most recent 100 years is accelerating much more quickly than we would expect from those natural variations. Uh-huh. And so that's where the concern is, is that because of human activities, we're upsetting or, in this case, accelerating the average temperature of the air and the water. Over what is that going water. to do to our water source, which is all life on Earth? Right. That's a big concern, and, and there are a lot of models and other projections, for example, that suggest that if we accelerate this warming trend, that we'll have a loss of the ice sheets and the polar ice, and which could contribute to an increase in the average sea level on the planet. Uh-huh. Now, what happens to you because you're, you're living here on this earth with all that is here in life? Do your knees kind of shake sometimes when you think about the next hundred years and the next hundred years? 
Oh, yes, they, they definitely do. Um, I guess I thought uh, throughout my education uh, that, you know, I was concerned about these potential changes, but that perhaps I wouldn't see them in my lifetime, but I might be worried more about our children's and our grandchildren's yeah. lifetimes. But it seems like uh, with some of the recent data that have come across in the past few years that some of these changes might become readily apparent within my lifetime or our lifetimes. I know, and uh, this is why, um, uh, Dr. Amen, that's why I called this show The Power of Water I uh, and Self-Examination and Learning. But uh, we're hoping to have an influence here to come not go out and be politically involved but be concerning involved of our health our, uh, and life ahead for generations to come. And that's a responsibility that we all have, not just you and I and, and others, but, I mean, and, and a few others. It's a responsibility for all of us on this earth to learn how to join in and become very excited about what we can learn together for generations to come. What are some uh, of the waters in Florida? Because you're calling from Florida, and, and I really appreciate uh uh, learning a little bit about the national parks in Florida. Um, um, how many? Uh, let's say I'm over here in Oregon. By the way, I've got forests. You've got uh, the Everglades. Can you tell us a little bit? How many are there in Florida? Yes, and actually, I lived in Oregon for part of my life. I was oh, you there did? at Oregon State University. Oh my in goodness! In the 1980s, so um, I, I miss Oregon. Um, Florida has some beautiful places down here, and the one that we always like to mention is sort of the liquid heart of the Everglades is Lake Okeechobee, which is this very large lake you can see on the maps and from satellite photographs. It's uh, almost 500 square miles. My and goodness, that's called the liquid park? The liquid heart of Florida. The liquid for, heart. Yeah, because it's just so big, and it really it forms helps form the headwater of the Everglades. And you go from Lake Okeechobee down through what used to be the Everglades, all the way down to the very southern tip of the peninsula to what's now Everglades National Park. And that's a beautiful area. It's about 1.2 million acres of remaining Everglades that we're working very hard to protect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what other areas around uh, Florida do you believe that are exciting for your people from all over the world to come and, and look at water? In addition to that, yeah, exactly right where I am located, even though I work for Everglades National Park, I'm stationed at, a, at the Loxahatchee National Wildlife Refuge, which is uh, north of Everglades National Park, but it's 140,000 acres of, of, of Everglades habitat that provides refuge for plants and animals and also provides uh, water supply for part of South Florida, so it's a beautiful place to visit. Now, when you're a fly, we would come to look at all this 140,000 acres what is some of the plant life that you've been able to protect that you believe is so rare? Well, one of the things that char- one of the plants that characterizes the Everglades in general is called sawgrass. It's an emergent grass. It sticks up out of the water, and it's kind of interesting. It's called sawgrass because if you touch the leaves and run your fingers along the leaves, there there are saw-like little edges to it, and mm-hmm. so it doesn't seem like a very friendly plant. But it's a, a beautiful plant that you know makes up a lot of the habitat of the Everglades. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Uh, and then, of course, you're sitting on that island with an ocean on each side of you. That's right. Uh, the other beautiful areas of, of South Florida here are the estuaries and the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a very large part of Everglades National Park, which is a, a big estuary called Florida Bay, mm-hmm. with beautiful uh, small islands and uh, bird rookeries. Uh, it's just a wonderful place to visit, as well as 
the Florida Keys. Oh, how wonderful. And I'm sure you have a lot of people there with boats, lots of boats. Oh, there are so many boats, it's uh, unbelievable. I think uh, there are probably more registered boaters and boat users here than many <laughs> other states in the country. Do you, do you spend time yourself out on the water? I do. I Was love that. A, it. I, I know I had to ask that question. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you can't be an aquatic biologist without liking to be out in the middle of it. <laughs> I and, uh, so I do occasionally get to go out fishing and enjoy the ocean. Now, when you were in Oregon, did you go fishing in Oregon? I did, but I went freshwater fishing on the because I particularly enjoyed the beautiful streams and rivers, uh, both in the Cascade Mountain Range and in the Coast Range. Uh, do you know the Rogue River in Oregon? I do, and I've actually uh, kayaked the Rogue River several times. Okay, that's where I'm coming from, right oh. from Grants Pass, Oregon, on the oh, Rogue. Beautiful, beautiful. That was we, our campus beautiful. actually uh, goes into the Rogue. We have a 40-acre campus here, and with our research center, and we're uh, here on the Rogue out of Grants Pass. That's wonderful, and I've been kayaking on the wild and scenic portions of the Rogue River. It's absolutely spectacular. It is. Uh, do you, have you ever heard of the World Sailfish Championship that's going on over near Tampa? There's uh, a World Sailfish Championship going on as we speak, uh, people bringing in their boats and going out and raising money for children, uh, for Make-A-Wish uh, for children right now. Right, uh, they're out of Tampa, um, Doctor. That's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful cause, and also a fun way to uh, enjoy raising money for a good cause. Isn't it a wonderful way? Chris King, um, who's in Tampa, is uh, heading that. Right, he's been doing it for quite some time, and uh, he's got uh, many people uh, that are very familiar that have gone out and doing this for Make a Wish Foundation. Well, thank you for all your time today. I, exciting! If you ever get to Oregon, please uh, come and see us. I'd love to. Okay, you have a nice day. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. That was special today, um, uh, bringing the doctor in. Uh, anybody who's interested with their families uh, to think about it uh, with the timing and to be very concerning of life on Earth for eternity, think about aquatic science. Uh, it's a, he, he said he got influenced when he was young in school, uh, which would be uh, unusual a little bit, uh, but he, uh, Dr. Nick Amon with the uh, Everglades National Forest in, in uh, Florida, he has uh, become um, a scientist there with uh, concerns of protection. Um, today, uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it's exciting. We, I think we're going to learn a lot every year. Uh, pardon me, every day, uh, week. And throughout the year, uh, if you have any questions, uh, be sure and email me at SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Thank you.